everybody, welcome into Hacked History. Uh, we are here with a new episode of Medical Marvels. Yeah. My name is Lucas, I'm here with my friend. Hey. El Jefe? El Machete? Is this Danny Trejo? <laughs> Danny Trejo. We will be having Danny Trejo as a guest, actually, no. Yeah, yeah, it's like, yeah. okay. You want to go ahead and promise that? Good. <laughs> Bring him in next week. Yeah. Hey. Holmes, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway, uh, welcome to Hack History. If we sound better than usual, uh, it's because you're not going crazy. We did upgrade our audio equipment, uh, and actually, we're still running a slightly modified setup for this one. Um, but we are some new audio equipment, and we look to be delivering better audio quality for you as we proceed. So, I hope you enjoy this. Uh, we definitely uh, decided to make an investment in, uh, in the way it sounds because we did it for you, yeah. So, uh, All for you, Damien. All for you. <laughs> Don't know who Damien is, but he's out there. So yeah, I'm you better hope we have a listener named Damien. Yes. That'd be pretty awkward, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would be. Um, but anyway, uh, so again, we're back with a new episode of Medical Marvels. Uh, on Thursday, we'll be recording a new episode of the Jam and Jazz series. So both series are going to be new again this week. Uh, otherwise, uh, also new, Jake actually updated some some stuff on the website for his last Medical Marvels episode. Well, actually, for this current one. Oh, for this one. current one? For this current one, and then I'll see what I can do for the last one. So that you might not get any urine resources out there, um, which is probably okay, quite honestly. You know what? You live with that. You live without that. It's okay. It's all right. I don't think people should... I don't know if that we need to give people those resources. I feel like that uh, gives enough... Well, at least with this one, they fucking can't do this anymore, but... I mean, I hope so. That's the hope, right? Uh, yeah. But anyway... Uh, as always, you can find us on all the major podcast outlets. Uh, unfortunately, I don't have an update on iHeartRadio yet. We're still working on getting on there, but stay tuned. Uh, we're working on that. Otherwise, pretty much any other major podcast outlet, you can find us. Uh, we, as, I, as I did mention, we have a new website up. You can find that linked on our Facebook page. Uh, I'll work on getting that URL to you next time. But if you want to contact us, obviously, always you can always go contact us at hacked underscore history on Instagram. Uh, we have a hacked history page on Facebook which you can obviously message us through there, or you can send us an email at hatchhistory101 at gmail.com. And Jake is giving me the rolly eyes, which means it's probably about time to start no. the show. No, no, no. <laughs> would you get something like... Okay, anyway. Anyway, so, uh, Jake, what have you brought for us to talk oh, about that's today? A fucking doozy, bud. I'm going to start with a question, or more, I'm going to start with a question and move the scenario. Question for you specifically. Number yes, one. sir. When we think of medicine between the, like mid 1800s to early 1900s, what would you condense it into one word? Bleeding? Yes. No. But no. close. Close. I call it bullshit. Some, <laughs> many good things happen. I'm, I'm going to put Donald Trump. Some good things. <laughs> so many, but only some. Anyway, um, but this one is going to be kind of an obscure one um, for some people. And then I'm going to post a scenario to you. Everyone out there who has kids who's listening to this podcast, when you have a child, don't you just want to shut that kid up when they're crying and crying and crying and crying? Oh, no. Well, back in the... Where are you going with that one, bud? I'm, I, just, I, like that I'm just scared of the premise. That's all, I'm just already scared of the premise. Show up. So, if you were a parent, let's say in the mid-1800s, 1850s to around 1939, you would have known of something called a soothing syrup. Now, this is not something that we deal with today, because, believe it or not, it's probably fucking illegal to use, but I'm going to deal in, with one in particular, something called Mrs. Winslow. I actually refer to it as Miss Winslow's, because there were a couple sources who said that, but whatever. 
Let's give her the proper title. She deserves it. Not after what I talk about. I was pretty you much... Won't I, a, was, I was... You being, won't give a flying fuck about what her first name is. I was being highly sarcastic. All right, good for you. All right, so it's a, just a disclaimer for this one. And anybody who goes on the website to see my sources, if you really want to do that. There are also a few pictures up there, just as an example. Uh, there were a lot of multiple sources because it actually was kind of a small subject. It was kind of like a one-and-done Wikipedia page where they were like, Oh, yeah, th- it was this thing. And it got... And then it was done. Bye. And there was no, like, in-depth, like, with urine therapy, where I had a whole page and then some. Yeah. So, and I feel like this one should have been more dedicated to this. But, um, soothing syrup, more commonly referred to as Miss Winslow soothing syrup, was a prominent example of this sort of cure-all remedy that was occurring between, like, at least 1800 and 1939. Uh, the intention of the syrup was to remedy fussy and teething children. So if, if your kid was like an infant and it was teething, anybody who knows how teething kids are, they cry a lot and they can kind of be a pain in the so ass. this is the best way to shut your kid up. Basically, I literally titled it, Shut That Baby Up. Oh boy. That's literally what it was. And the intention of the syrup was that you would give the mom a chance to fucking just unwind. Because it, it's basically like the... The, uh, the fucking YouTube video of, uh, <laughs> of putting and using chloroform to knock their kids out. Do you remember that YouTube video? No, it but... It was a joke, but... But, it was, but I will tell you what I thought of was... Uh, I thought of, like, the Family Guy episode where Stewie's talking to Lois, and he's just like, Mom, Ma, 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 the syrup is comprised of a damn near negligent medical science and ignorant consumers. That's how this oh, basically perfect. came to... Oh, it's great. So so nothing has changed in prescriptions. <laughs> well, <laughs> this doesn't fucking exist anymore, so... Oh, I, I just meant like the, uh, the the faulty science and ignorant consumers. I oh, feel yeah. like that still happens. It's like the flat earthers of fucking like pharmaceutical... Okay, or so it's like when you prescribe opioids for everything and somehow cause an epidemic. Oh, uh, well, you know what? But you get a free pen out of it. It's great. <laughs> no. Anyway. Look at you, doctor's car. Anyway. <laughs> so, uh, we're going to start with the history here, and then we're part one, which is the emergence of it, and then part two, part two, fuck me if I can speak or not, runs down into the actual fall of this medicine. And then we're going to talk about sort of the real Miss Winslow and... Somewhere along the line, I will interject some sort of primary source stuff. Start to give people an idea of just how dangerous this was. So, uh, let's start with number one. Right off the bat, home remedies were not uncommon between the 19th and 20th centuries. Can I just point out before you start this? Yes. I feel like you've done a lot of like explaining to try to point to like what is in this. So I can't wait to hear like what is in this because oh, I feel like you've been, I feel like you I feel like you've been dancing around that topic to sort of explain it. <laughs> oh man, I'm going to make people wait. It's going to make them angry. <laughs> you made me angry when I researched it. Well, technically people could just turn off our podcast and google it, but please don't. No, don't. Don't. This is it's all about the ride. It's got to be organic. <laughs> it's all about the ride, so, man. Anyway. Anyway. Setting the stage, we're talking about the fact this isn't just one random thing. This happened with a number of other, what we call like snake oil remedies that came around at this time. Oh, I've definitely heard about those. Oh, yeah, yeah snake oil. And, and they still fucking exist. Gwen, Gwyneth Paltrow, again, I'm looking at you. What you gonna fucking do? Sue me. I don't dare. You know, celebrities 
uh, celebrities going for medical causes don't have a very high win-loss ratio. Not really. What's that like on your bracket there, bro? You know, when you look at people like Jenny McCarthy... Oh, no. <laughs> with, no. The, with the anti-vax movement, no. which... Jake, God. honestly, please do an episode on that. I will. I want to rant on that so bad. We will. We will. Oh, boy. We'll get that. We'll, that's, oh, please. That one's more... That one's because it's so recent. We're, I'm going to kind of start with the old one and get to the new one. Oh, perfect. But we, we should definitely discuss anti-vaxxers yeah. because... That is a whole thing that shouldn't even be a that concept, really. That makes me angry on so many levels. Oh, I but was a vax kid, and guess what? I had autism, but the autism came before the fucking vaccination. All right. Oh, yeah. yeah. Anyway. But it, we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Anyway, so uh, here's just some examples. Uh, the basic idea here, though, was that these remedies, these home remedies, were coming from a lot of neighborhood pharmacists back in the day who lacked a qualification, or if they did have it, they kind of lacked a proper understanding. <coughs> hey, check this out, John Chad. DMA. My name is Bill. Um... <laughs> Dude, I have this sick remedy, bro. Like, I took some brown water and shit, and I put it in a bottle. Dude, just drink some. Believe me, it'll make you feel good. It's like drinking bleach. Bro, bro, bro. It'll bro, make you. It'll bro. make you feel good. Dude, just do it. Anyway, that's like bordering on like get, getting my white van. Yeah. Anyway. Um. Let's just clarify that I'm not. I'm not. I'm okay. I feel like we, we've said hey, this. Kid. We've said this a lot on this show. You want some candy? We are not advocating for the use of any sort of drugs out there. We are just goofing if around. You are, if you are literally thinking and picking it up from that, what the hell? Like for real. So anyway, again for the fifth time in a row. <laughs> yes, sir. Or you gave me some ideas of just like there's like five of what I thought were just the fucking best, like home remedies. I mean, like I said, these are pharmacists who didn't understand the effects of the stuff they were giving or didn't under, like, didn't have a qualification. Like, it was just, like, like, the Again. concept of, like, well, natural remedies, like, crystals and shit. It, yeah, there were natural remedies. And then we split them into things that didn't and things that did. And the shit that worked became medicine. <laughs> Real shit. Hey, bro. It's Bill here again. God damn it, Bill. <laughs> Bill. <laughs> I, got some, up, Bill. I got some remedies for you, bro. Come on. <laughs> anyway, here's some examples of this. I love this one. This one is just like so some fucking stupid people. Mixers, cancer, and scrofula syrup. Fuck me. I don't know what a scrofula is, so <laughs> there is no definition. What in the fuck? Okay, it's claimed to treat cancer, tumors, rip, erysipelias. Abscesses, ulcers, fuck. Abscesses, ulcers, fever sores, goiter, catarrh, which was basically sort of like a. I don't stomach. even know what some of these symptoms are. Catarrh like was basically like a stomach upset. It was an old. Okay. Salt, bremum, rheum, scald head, piles, and rheumatism. I'm thinking piles might also be dysentery. Well, I know what rheumatism is. And that's... all blood diseases. Literally. They don't even go into telling me what that fucking means. It just says all blood diseases. Diseases. I feel like this is just... Like herpes? This is just gonna get to the point where you're, like, at one of the end of, like, those really long, like, prescription commercials where, like, half of the commercial is just all of the things you could get by taking this drug that's if meant to fix this, this one thing. If you take this medication, it will cause your rectum like, to bleed. are you experiencing... Are you experiencing upset stomach? Take... Flagellax! Or whatever. That sounds about right. Flagellax! But don't take this drug if you don't want to... Uh, but if you... If you have... If you've ever... If you've ever been to a Walgreens. If you've ever... <laughs> if you've ever drank water. If you've ever bought kale from this a local drug, farmer's market in uptown Los Angeles. <laughs> this drug may cause loss of eyesight. Loss of appetite. Amputation. <laughs> <laughs> it causes amputation. 
<laughs> he just wakes up in the morning with his arm cut. No! But I feel like most people, every one of those commercials where like half of the commercials just have all of, well, It's fixing like one little problem, but there's like a litany of shit that can I happen know, to like, you. Why the fuck would you even tell me that it could cause pain and or death? Like, if all it's doing is helping me cure my fucking... Like, oh my god. Like, anyway. fuck Fludgelikes, I'll just deal with the upset stomach. So anyway... Uh, as a, just a slight thing, erysipelas is a superficial form of cellulitis, a potentially serious bacterial infection affecting the skin. Uh, yeah, so, it was basically saying you could cure that. Uh, number two, doctors also utilize heroin tablets to re relieve asthma symptoms. So you had been born back in the day, you would be fucking tweaking like a motherfucker. Yeah, and I'd probably die real fast. Yeah! <laughs> nothing, nothing cures it quite like heroin. Uh, opium tablets were Again, used... we are not... A, have, we yeah. had this drug podcast... We, pod, we had this podcast do not... Do not endorse oh. the taking of drugs. Anyway, uh, they used opium tablets for controlling coughing and diarrhea, which does kind of make sense for diarrhea because it did have a sort of, like, hardening of the stool. But uh, this one is great. Fat off obesity cream. What? <laughs> Just let that one sink in. <laughs> what was in that? I don't fucking know. They didn't say. I'm highly curious now. You know what? Out there in Radio Land, do some research. All right. And the last one was even like that I loved was Egyptian oil for colic, cramps of the stomach, bowels, and cholera. That last one. Well, cholera's not good. No. Uh, for anybody out there that doesn't know what cholera is, it's definitely not good. Jake, can you describe what it's cholera is? According to the WHO here, it is a Acute diarrheal infection caused by ingestion of food or water contaminated with bacterium vibrio cholera. Basically, you shit yourself to death. Pretty much, yeah. It's literally like dysentery. And, and then, like, it's within that realm, but it literally is like you eat something, you get sick, and then you just fucking have the runs until your body shuts down. Of course, nowadays, we do have ways to cure that. There is yeah. a cure for cholera. So, luckily, that's not something that we deal with in large numbers in, in modern times. Yes. So that's good. It's kind of like polio, because we now have a fucking cure for that. So yep. Back in the day, it was a bitch. It was bad. It was like tuberculosis. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you see people with, like, the pictures of people, like, in those fucking iron lungs and shit when oh, they have... God, that's so bad. I feel so It's bad awful. Yeah. People. It's awful. So, most... If you're getting the gist at this point in time, most home remedies, especially early home remedies, utilize, like, under-researched information. If it was, like, something like opiums or heroin... Or, like, morphine or any of that shit. Back or, when cocaine was in Coca-Cola. Pretty much, right? Cocaine, heroin, like, any of that shit. And it basically emphasizes miracle, miracle cures for all ailments, from small aches and pains and irritations to large diseases and disorders, because you could make a fucking buck off of it and nobody know any better. Could you argue this is, like... Because I know for a while, like, uh, you know, that medicine was not necessarily focused on like me medications and things like that could no, you could not. you argue that this is like the beginning of like a medication boom and without like lack of regulation and things like well, actually, with like lack of regulation and things like that that's how you get some of these things you're to literally spot on because what happened here was this was kind of like the wild west of pharmaceuticals at this moment because we're talking about people who were like yeah, we took some shit from a swab, put it in a bottle, and shook it together with some fucking like. Hey guys, Bill's oh, back again. Yeah. No, Bill. <laughs> Bill, Bill, Bill can't be allowed within six hundred feet. Bill, no, the medicine guy. Oh, he's just, he's just a fucking tweaker in the back of a van. Oh god. Anyway. Bill, Bill, 
<laughs> anyway, but yeah, Wild West of Medicine, that's what's going yeah. on here. Lack of regulation. Yeah, a real hard lack of regulations. It was a good time. It was great. People could kill each other in the street. So and you were fucking mad. So what you're saying is this is libertarian's dream. Pretty much, yeah. You want to go back to that, libertarians? I'm, I'm not shitting on you. Just rebuke. No government interference, baby. Just yeah, rebuttal me, motherfucker. It's on. Anyway, um, the syrup in particular was intended to assist burdening mothers, is kind of what I said already, with their children and cure a range of issues such as facilitating the teething process, allaying all pain and spasmodic action, regulation of the bowels, as well as giving rest to... <clears throat> Sorry about that. I was getting a phone call from Santa Marla, California. I don't know from that area. Uh, oh, fuck me. All right, here we go. All pain, spasmodic action. This spasmodic action basically was sort of like uh, twitching in a really weird way. Which was, at the time, not considered, like, ticks were not considered a regular thing. It was probably an aversion of the brain because God hated your kid for maybe thinking he was going to be gay. I don't know how they fucking thought oh, back boy, in the geez. day. I'm not saying that. That's the way they used to no, think. I, no, I'm just reacting. You're good. Uh, yeah, and it, the idea here with regulation of the bowels, they really have a high emphasis on regulation of the bowels in all of this, and I don't know. Because they were concerned about shitting and pissing, Jake. Yeah, pretty much. They're concerned about pissing, as they are right now. Uh, and obviously, they're talking about giving rest to mothers and relief and health to infants. Uh, we're going to kind of focus on relief and health to infants in a bit here. Because, yeah, it might give a rest to your mom. Uh, but what it does to the kid is an entirely different scenario. Oh, so you're saying there was side effects. Oh, yeah. Uh, later popularity of mm, this particular syrup, the soothing syrups, can be attributed, though, and specifically Mrs. Winslow's, can be attributed to a m number of factors that are a mixture of cultural and business-related. Uh, this comes basically, number one, from a lack of readily available information on the concoctions that they were making, which basically meant that people took it at face value and said, it fucking works! And then that was basically it. And, and they meant that the public would just accept it at face value, like I said, with no knowledge of what it was made of. Again, here, also, like, I, just, I feel like... Uh... I feel like it's necessary to point out again that correlation does not always equal causation. That's a that's a yeah. <laughs> you know there there's such a thing as the placebo effect. Mm -hmm. Like things do not always mean that. Oh, there is a fucking effect with this one though. I'll tell you what, kiddo. Trust me, and we'll get down to what it is in literally a minute. Uh, but yeah, you're right. There's the placebo effect, like we talked about with like the urine treatment stuff. But this was like this was like dangerously like just taking random shit. That we didn't know what it did, oh, and, what, just, and at what dosages to give it in, and oh, just yeah. gave it to children. All of that's awful. I just mean at face value. It, it it doesn't mean that, you know, if you, if you eat spaghetti and then do well on a test, you didn't do well on the test probably because, because you yeah, ate spaghetti. It, it doesn't mean the same thing, right? Yeah. And there's a lot of people who do that. So, but what made Mrs. Winslow's or Miss Winslow's really, really successful, because it was like a household name for a long time, it literally went on from like 1850-ish all the way to 1939. Like, it was, it was long-lived, even after it would take a hit to its reputation. But, like, one of the things, too, is that, obviously, when we talk about cultural, they're placing an implicit trust in trained or untrained pharmacists who did not know what they were prescribing. Some of them did know, but just didn't care. Some of them just didn't fucking know. Which, reading this, knowing my mother is a pharmacist, and talking to her about this, because I literally had to sort of interview her on what, what it, like, certain, con like, the concoctions did... How, how much of it? And she was like, I cannot fucking imagine that being in that time period and being a person... Like, you could have died from fucking anything. That's terrifying. I don't like that concept of like, oh, well, now I've decided to write myself a letter to my sweetheart down Alabama way, 
and I gave myself a paper cut, and then 12 weeks later, he's fucking on his deathbed, <laughs> because God knows what, you fucking decided to drink from a pail that happened. I don't fucking know what's going on. <laughs> just, just a letter. My dearest, today, I felt a short pain in my arm. I'm sure that tomorrow will be my last day. <laughs> now take my sperm and give it to my friends. What? That's a weird old. Please story. tell little Billy. Don't drink the gray water. <laughs> Yours truly, Reginald. Yours truly, Reginald. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Not my buddy. <laughs> anyway, uh, and so Miss Winslow did a really good attempt at sort of pushing their product. High volume of advertising created a household name for this particular remedy. The name was plastered McDonald's style, literally. Like, we're talking, like, late 80s, mid-80s to late 80s McDonald's. On recipe cards, newspapers, calendars, trade cards. It was on fucking everything. Perfect. It was everywhere. The mere bullshit, too, of being a cure-all for tired parents would mean that just in general, again, people would, like, demand concoction just based on, like... So, yeah, I mean, the concept basically was sort of, like, correlation for parents, where it's like, if you could drink the gray water, and then you decide to be able to sleep when you haven't been able to sleep for six and a half weeks, parents would just look at that and go, fucking give me some of that shit! Yeah! Gray water. water, fuck yeah! Fuck yeah, gray water! And, um, so, yeah, that was sort of where it was. But, here's where you wanted to know what it was made of. Yes, sir. Here's what it's fucking made of. Oh, boy. Primary ingredients of Mrs. Winslow's was morphine and alcohol. Approximately oh. 65 milligrams. Here's where I had to do a little bit of research as to why this was such a big deal. Because morphine, everybody knows what morphine should be. And in most cases, you use it for like sports injuries as a painkiller. Now, it's basically a highly effective opiate. Um, approximately 65 milligrams of morphine per fluid ounce. So, for context, the normal dose of medical morphine for an adult is between 20 and 30 milligrams. That's enough to get you addicted if you're not careful. 65 milligrams, that's literally double the dosage for an adult, for a fucking adult on a me And the average adult human can be addicted to or tolerant to morphine with, who is addicted to it, can withstand about 200 milligrams, or uh, two milligrams, or two grams, fuck me, or 2,000 milligrams a day over time. Yeah, because morphine can straight up kill you. Yeah, you can't. But like any drug, you will begin to build a sort of tolerance to it, and then in most cases, you jump to the next hardest thing. Fatal overdoses can be induced through about 200 milligrams, or in extreme cases, only 60, depending on the person. So 200, depending on, like, if you're a stockier kind of person, a little bit more heavy. 60 if you're a little bit on the thinner side. Again. That's they were know. giving infants 65 milligrams with alcohol. What kind? I don't fucking know. Probably bourbon. A little bit of Johnny T's down I mean, home. At that get, point, I don't think it fucking matters what type of alcohol you're talking about. That's 60 mil. Again, this makes me angry. It makes me fucking angry. A teaspoon of the syrup had the morphine content equal to approximately 20 drops of laudanum. Again, that that's some more jargon. Laudanum is just another more potent opium-based pain medication. Because that's what they use as sort of like modern context. Because they usually don't use opium anymore. They've kind of moved into using laudanum as a sort of like cover for it, I guess. Not, that makes it sound bad, but it, it's not straight morphine, because they realized back in the 70s that, oh shit, this was a problem. Plus, number one, it also is less potent, or it's more potent, but less addictive, which meant that people who used to sell it for money could not uh, could not really sell it at that point, but again, that you could still do it. 
1873 edition of the Health Reformer suggested that infants... Here's, here's where the dosages come in that we don't clearly didn't know what the fuck we were doing. Uh, infants six months of age received no more than two or three drops of laudanum. That, like, again, two to three. Okay. Drops is very low. The doses requirements on Mrs. Winslow states that an infant under a month old should be given six to ten. That's always good. A child at three months old were dosed to half a teaspoon and children six months old and up were given a teaspoon three or four times a day. It doesn't take a fucking scientist to consider the fact that if you are literally saying that a more potent version of opiate that was recognized and used two to three versus six to ten for someone under a month old, a child at three months would not be able to, like, it just fucking blows my mind. And they just say, yeah, fucking give them that shit and just let it go. Like, that's it. Uh, recommended dosages for children suffering suffering of dysentery followed the aforementioned amounts, but schedules were set every two hours with visual until what they considered visual improvement was noticed. So that could mean anything, right? It could either make it work, it could not. Uh, it would later be noted that a teaspoon of the syrup had would have contained enough morphine to kill the average child, literally. Yeah, well, that makes sense yeah. when you're dealing with fucking morphine. This would often cause numerous infants to go to the forever sleep and therefore provided the syrup the nickname Baby Killer. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, between 1845 and 1839, the total number of casualties resulting from the syrup is actually not fully known, either because, number one, caregivers that gave it did not connect the dots that the syrup would kill the child. or In this case, court. Causation does equal correlation. In this case. It does yeah. not always do it, but in this case, it's it definitely does. the fucking service. Yes, it does. And the problem with that was that no matter how much, because it often genuinely didn't know, or they just didn't divulge the information because they would realize, oh shit, I'm about to get in trouble. Like, that's how most of them dealt with it. And then they just said, well, the child died of consumption. Like, that, again, it could just give, like, five... And, if you could just plaster a given disease to that kid, because apparently kids were just dying everything back in the day, and well, yeah, that's why people had so many so many kids because exactly right. And so in that context, right, they they nobody would take it at fa- again. People just take it at face value and go, oh yeah, I died of the consumption or whatever. Um, so yeah, uh, again, if those children that did not die, many of them did die from the morphine overdose on its own or from morphine addiction and withdrawals. Like, it turned kids into crackheads, literally, uh, on a really, really grand scale. So, here comes part two. That was a little dark, but there is a positive here. Because what comes around goes around and bites this company on the ass. Um, introducing the FDA, and what I like to call the fall of the House of Winslow, because I decided to be smart that time. The uh, fall of the House of Winslow. The FDA was instituted by Teddy Roosevelt. That was his sort of like big thing because he's like people are out there buying like gross meat and shit. Like there's a really good documentary on like food service in the early like like in cities in the 1800s. It's fucking shocking. Um, oh, I believe it. Yeah, it was bad. But with the institution of the U.S. Food and Drug Administration under the Roosevelt administration in 1906, companies were forced to state the active ingredients on drug packaging and ensure the purity level of drugs that did not fall below the levels established by the U.S. Pharmacopoeia, which is sort of like the guidelines for U.S. pharmacies, or the National Formulary. Again, just one of the guidelines. 
Uh, the steps by the FDA and the passage of what was known as the Pure Food and Drug Act in 1906 also meant that drugs were properly marketed so that the active components like morphine could not be sold as an ingredient in a cosmetic product. Basically saying, like, hey, you can't use morphine now to literally say it'll help you sleep. Yeah, it'll help you fucking sleep forever at some point in time, but you can't put that on the bottle and lie about it, which was good. Uh, good yeah. Within Winslow's specific example, following the Pure Food and Drug Act, it forced the company to remove the morphine from the ingredient and remove the word soothing from their brand name. However, this does not end the company. Um, but really the hardest, like the hardest, darkest part of its example is now pretty much done. Um, but that brand name would continue even with the denunciation by the American Medical Association in 1911, uh, a little bit of what I've read about that. And then the syrup would be continued until like the late 1930s. So I'm going to take four examples here, just as an understanding I wrote these down from what is known as the Nostrums and Quackery articles on the Nostrum Evil and Quackery, which was basically like a gigantic 500-page PDF list of shit not to take, pretty much. Okay. Yeah. So, there's like four examples of when this thing killed children, and they were, like, these are recorded ones, but like, number one was Dr. G.M. Cummins. He's in Hamilton, Ohio, reported a case of poisoning from Miss, Mrs. Winslow's soothing syrup in a child aged three and a half months. March 3rd, 1906. Uh, and, and then you'll start to see, like, how fast, like, the fucking cases start rolling in. Like, it was it was happening really quickly once they started to get wind of it. Uh, number two, Dr. J.E. Campbell, South St. Paul, Minnesota, reported the death of a child aged 10 months from Mrs. Winslow's February 9th, 1907. Number three, Dr. J.M. Edwards, uh, Commissioner of Health for Mankanto, Minnesota. Mankato? Yeah. Reported the death of a child aged 18 months from an overdose of Mrs. Winslow's soothing syrup, March 30th, 1907. Number four, Dr. C.Y. and I'll just one, C.Y. Beard. That's such a badass name. He's clearly like a like an out west doctor. C.Y. Like, Beard. That's right. I'll, I'll help you give birth to your child with the most rudimentary stuff. So a tree and some hot water, and then I'm gonna go punch a buffalo with my facial hair. I I just I think he's the kind of doctor who'd ride up on a buffalo. Literally. <laughs> that sounds like fucking awesome. He's from Cheyenne, Wyoming, if that gives you any indication of how like Perfect. awesome this name is. Reported the death of a child 10 months old from the designated dose of Mrs. Winslow's soothing syrup. So just an example of the fact that the designated dose didn't fucking mean shit. Um, administered by the child's mother, April 23rd, 1910. There was, like, multiple cases, but those four were, like, prominent in there. Again, sure. like we said, there could have been thousands for all we know. Like, the fact that people just administered it until the kids shut up was really the way, like... I, I cannot imagine in my own mind how you could even live with the concept of like, I'll just give my child this random bottle of shit. Like, it's, <laughs> God, it makes me angry because parents now still do that shit. And I'm like, have we not learned? We have. All right. Some people should not be parents, Jake. Some parents should not be parents. Absolutely. So everybody's like, oh, you talked about it. We kind of come to the end of the company's name and the actual medication. But what happens when we talk about the real Mrs. Winslow? This is an actual person, by the way. This isn't just some random name. Most of the information, however, about the origins of the syrup and its creator, Mrs. Winslow, come from the product's advertising copy and little else. There's no, like, context for her other than the fact that she existed and she died. And that she came up with this concoction. Oh. And, yeah. So, here's basically what we found out. According to what was found by curators at local museums in Maine, where the, the, the disease, 
where the medication actually started, which was in Bangor, there was a real Mrs. Charlotte Winslow. Charlotte Winslow. Uh, she was said to live in Maine and is thought to have been a nurse slash midwife. So to a degree, she had what was considered to be reasonable child-based knowledge of medicine. And so sure. Like, yeah. For the time, which didn't mean Jack. Um, it was basically like saying I could have gone out to the mountain, gotten high off peyote, and said, now I know how to, you know, successfully, like, sever limbs without the person dying. And people down in town would be like, well, now that sounds good enough for me to. It's like, I want to get on my steamboat and tow myself out Well, there. to be fair, in 1849, like, she did have probably pretty, probably the, be- the some of the best qualifications you were going to get. For what it was considered, which really wasn't much, but yeah, for the time she would have been considered qualified. Curtis, okay, sorry, I'm jumping ahead here. Um, Winslow supposedly devised her syrup, administering it to the children in her career. Actually, also administering it to her own kids. One of whom, Lucy Winslow, would marry a guy named Jeremiah Curtis. Here's where this becomes sort of a big deal, because Curtis is sort of the person who sort of skyrockets the fucking process of this medication, not just being like one lady administering it, from home remedy to, let's fucking buy it for everybody. Um, so Curtis and his business partner, a guy called Benjamin Perkins, the three, or with Curtis and his business partner, Benjamin Perkins, the three of them, you know, Winslow and Curtis and, and what's his name, the three began mass producing this wonder drug in their downtown storefront in near the, uh, Kenduskig stream in Bangor in 1845. Uh, Curtis and Perkins would move their growing business to New York City in 1854, wherein Curtis bought Perkins out in 1860. And by 1868, he was selling about 1.5 million bottles a year at 25 cents a bottle. Um, doing some of the math on that, what we found out is according to inflation, he made a gross profit of apparently $7 million. Holy crap. That makes me fucking angry. <laughs> because here's what happens. This guy basically said he knew what was either in this or they were just making a buck, which is probably what it was. These guys were fucking sketchy as hell. And in 1880 here, what happened was Curtis changed the operation's name to what is known as the Anglo-American Drug Company. By then, they were also manufacturing Winslow's in the United Kingdom and distributing it worldwide. Oh. This is bad. (laughs) So it's everywhere. It's everywhere. Yeah. Uh, Here's the problem. Curtis is a real dickhead. Because the way... Oh, no shit. No, it gets worse. Curtis, however, would not live long enough to see his product come under regulation and wane in the marketplace. He would die a millionaire in 1883 and was buried under an impressive family monument in a Bronx cemetery while Miss Winslow, his mother-in-law, lies under a simple stone in Albion in Maine. See, here's the thing. I really don't feel like it's Miss Win- Winslow's fault. No, not because really. Because she had no idea of the negative side effects that were coming upon all, all of this stuff happening, but if you look at what, what Curtis was doing, he definitely should take... A lot of the blame for all of this shit. It's basically the concept, too, that, like, if you provide a person with this much fucking credit for what is basically considered to be poison, it makes me mad that then, like, yeah, you're right. I almost didn't blame Winslow because she was qualified but may have been faulty. Well, she was dealing with the faulty medical knowledge of her time. Like, this is... But Curtis was just, like, Curtis was, like, the fucking doctor. I don't even know who to... At this point, he knew it was going... He knew it was going wrong and he was just like, fuck it, we're gonna keep producing this shit. We're gonna make some money. I'm making money off of it. Mr. Krabs and Mr. Krabs was a like a negligently homicidal idiot. Well, he's the classic evil American capitalist, right? He's the the classic character where it's just like... I'm making money. Goddamn, the side effect doesn't bother me. Yeah, pretty much. It was. Like, it's pretty much like the opioid business 
recently. Like, they just did the same shit. Like, yeah, this like, shit has not changed. for everything. You got yourself a scratch? Let's give you some high-grade opioids to make you... That's the thing, is this shit has not changed. We'll get back to it maybe at the end, but, like, this stuff, this stuff is still going on. Like, that mentality has not left. It's yeah. still a very real way that people react to things. Yeah, and that's what makes me sort of upset was the concept of, like, he ended up being a millionaire. He got what the fuck he wanted, and that upsets me, because he should not have fucking won. He fucking died before he could go to court or whatever they would have done. Like, he should have lived long enough to see that shit hit the fan for him, but no, he died. The thing is, not only did it hit the, not only did it not hit the fan for him, like, it's still something that happens today, so clearly we haven't learned that lesson. Yeah, I know, clearly. And it upsets me in the concept that, like, for the time, this is not an uncommon story. This happens all the fucking time. If you ever hear, like, like if we talk about, like, even recent examples, not even in, like, medicine, but, like, in regular industry or in the service industry, right? You've got people fucking other people over and not getting bit in the ass for it because that was it. It was kind of like in the 80s with stockbrokers. Like, like they fucked people over all the time didn't matter they'd end up being rich didn't matter to them and that, that made me fucking upset just in that general concept even if you saying. even if you just want to talk about like safety concerns like think back to like i think it was two years ago now think back to boeing with the 737 maxes well, yeah, or whatever the 757 the 757s where they like they really like they knew it was a safety problem but they didn't ground all yeah. the planes immediately no, they, they, they just didn't kept going and that was really they, did, they didn't do it until like there was like eight crashes that happened that killed people. And even then so, they were begrudgingly like, ah, oh, do we really want to? <laughs> yeah, so I mean, you like, had you had eight crashes that have killed people. You should not. This should not be a fucking question at this point. Yeah, well, I mean, but that's but it's just another example of you know like uh, industry sometimes doesn't give a shit about people um, to like a large extent. It's like that's not like the last. This is not like the last time that that we'll see that. It's not. I, I guarantee you, it's not the last time we'll we'll see it just overall. Oh yeah, no. Which in is, general, this will happen. Which it's is happened very before. very sad, but like I, I, you know this. It just is the way it is, right? Yeah. So, like, yeah. So, I mean, I'm not giving excuses for it. Like, no, 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 I, no, 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 and we no. should definitely fight it any way you can. But yeah, exactly. And sort of the point of why I took this one to the forefront was the fact that this was sort of a good example of how dangerous back in the day. And we'll, we'll get even older shit that was just pure nonsense. Like, the I want to really talk. That's the fun shit, dude. When I want to get into what is known as the wandering womb theory, and I want to know every woman who's ever listening to this podcast. God bless you, by the way. <laughs> Don't, don't ever, when people ask you what time in, in history you ever want to go back to, don't say later than, like, 1990. Like, for me, I, I wouldn't even want to go back in time unless it was something that I knew was, like, you didn't have any side effects because shit was bad. Like, I don't know, man. I mean, I can't wait to talk about the humors and bleeding and shit oh, like that. Oh, it's coming. It's That's going to be a fun time. Don't you worry. But, uh, yeah, again, this was probably shorter than most of the podcasts we've done. Primarily because there is very little. This was actually really a forgotten portion, even though there has been quite a lot of focus on it by, like, actual modern medical groups. Recently, though, they just kind of said, like, you know what, this happened. We'll either chalk it up, number one, to a lack of medical knowledge, like all of the things between 1890 and 1910. But I really want to just kind of also focus on the fact that, uh, yeah, Mrs. Winslow's was kind of a story of how fucking terrible human beings can be. Yeah. Given the circumstances. Pretty fucking awful. That's right. Yeah. Uh, but uh, on a positive note, uh, I did mention on Thursday, which is uh, two days from now, yep. we'll be coming at you with another episode of Jam and Jazz. Yep. So I'll have another ep- some more jazz history for you. Um, and then uh, I you will also... You learned who Jelly Roll is. 
Yeah, now we know who Jelly Roll Morton is. Oh, um, no. But also, uh, I will announce that uh, we are going to be working on another uh, lit- literature episode, too. We don't, know, we, we don't necessarily know the story yet, um, but because this is a shorter episode and uh, kind of because we've uh, been kind of in fluctuation, we'll get you another bonus episode heading your way, too. So, plenty of... Goofy-ass voices. Oh, for sure. Plenty more Hacked History content heading your way. Uh, if you want to reach us, uh, obviously, Facebook, Instagram, check us out on a Gmail address, hackedhistory101 at gmail.com. Uh, yeah, otherwise, uh, great research, Jake, and uh, fun little episode. So, it, it, I mean, everything turned out okay. Well, I mean, like, it, a little dark. It's not really fun, so to speak. And, but, you know, um, history isn't always fun. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was interesting and fun in the fact that it was research and history, but not fun in the fact of the implications and how awful everything yeah. is. Well, you know, and like I said, the forewarned is forearm, so in the, in the future, always check the fucking bottle. <laughs> Always. And just a reminder out there for you, just on like a less serious note, you know, there. I realize times are kind of shitty right now, but there are reasons out there to smile, you know? It's okay yeah. to be happy, go out there, have some fun. Remember, life, you're life, not living back in the day when this shit was unregulated. Yeah, yeah. life isn't all bad. Just remember that uh, things are things are okay. Yeah. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye.